Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome back to another episode of The Perfect Storm. Today, I've got a special guest, um, Eric Bird. Eric's a uh, network engineer uh, analyst for a local university. Uh, Eric also works for the fire district um, in Hopewell Township, uh, which is tied to the municipal government. So today, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the state, local, and education market, how cybersecurity um and the threat landscape has you know, affected that market over the past couple of years. And just kind of get some pointers from Eric uh, uh, about what he's been working on. So, Eric, welcome to the show. And if you would give, uh, give the folks a little bit about your background. Hey, thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Um, I've been in the security world for about 15 years now. Um, I started off just one, you know, just trying to be in networking. And then uh, I quickly realized that security is a part of all aspects of IT, and then I quickly gravitated over to the security part. Um, you know, I worked in uh, for the state government with the New Jersey State Police. I've worked in uh, higher ed at a local university, and I'm also a uh, commissioner at our local fire district here. And it's just amazing how you know, cybersecurity just penetrates all levels of uh, every institution. Yeah, and, and the SLED market is kind of, you know, I call it SLED, state, local, and education, um, is kind of unique, right? You know, you face the same kind of threat landscapes that uh, traditional businesses face, typically with uh, less resources. When I talk about resources, you know, you know, combination of dollars, um, you know, experience, uh, the ability to hire, the ability to bring in contractors. So if you would, just kind of talk about your your view, what's the difference between the commercial you know, space and, and, and the sled space and uh, you know, what unique challenges uh, do you guys face? So my uh, current position as a commissioner, yeah, we, we have limited budget. Yeah, we're a municipal government. And just looking back over the last several years with the pandemic, you know, municipal budgets were already strained and then you had the pandemic on top of all this and then the increased ransomware and all the GIFs and mails were raising their security standards. So from the fire district perspective, we really had to increase our security, but at the same time, we're addressing the pandemic, which just completely uh, destroyed our overtime budgets. And we had to find money and, you know, to implement multi-factor authentication, implement, uh, to deploy a new firewall, 
to get everybody to do the training. So now we're training firefighters and we're considering it mandatory training. Not only do they have to maintain their firefighter certifications, their emergency medical technician certifications, their fire inspector certifications, there's also now a component of cybersecurity because every one of our emergency services personnel touches a computer every day to, and, and technology is a part of the everyday operation. You know, even fire trucks have computers with internet connections now. So it, it's just a whole new, you know, internet of things. It's a whole new group of people that, you know, a couple of years ago probably weren't considered to be, you know, part of the threat landscape. And when I was at state government, there was, you know, still budget constraints there. Um, we were just piecemealing network components together while trying to maintain uptime and trying to maintain security. Right. And I just think over the last couple of years, security has, you know, at every level just been brought to the forefront with all the, you know, breaches in government and because government's easy talk targets, especially uh, smaller municipalities that don't have a dedicated information security office. Um, when I was at the state, a lot of, we would assist a lot of local police departments because their dispatcher was also their IT person. So the, you know, dispatcher while handling all the 911 calls, you know, talking to the uh, police and doing all their other tasks was also the person that somehow got chosen to be in charge of their IT world. And, you know, at that level, we can only wear so many hats and be proficient at so many things. So right. we would end up helping, you know, a number of municipalities just with basic security. Yeah. One of the things, one of the trends that I've seen, um, and I spend some time talking into the GIFs, uh, the joint insurance funds that work with local municipalities, counties, school districts, um, is that cyber insurance rates are going through the roof. We're talking about, you know, 100% or plus increase in premiums. And it's really being driven by the fact that, you know, school districts and municipality, municipalities are getting hit with ransomware. They don't have proper defenses in place. They don't have proper backups. So they wind up paying the ransom, um, which just makes all the other, you know, municipalities, uh, you know, a target. Um, and, and I've seen the insurance companies start to push, uh, you know, regulations. Are you seeing the same thing in the, you know, the state and the educational space that, you know, the insurers are coming down and actually pushing uh, controls, everything from multi-factor authentication to awareness training to, you know, backup and testing of backups. Um, is that a trend you see across the entire sled market? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, insurance companies are in business to make money and they expect everyone from the fire district, which has 10 employees to a university, which has 5,000 employees and, you know, perhaps 5,000 students, you know, they expect the same, if not greater level of, you know, security. And then the audits that we have to produce to demonstrate our uh, practices, our procedures, our training, you know, is just ever increasing. And that's a really good thing. Um, and in HOPA, we have sent a resolution to the state government because we are 
limited to a 2% cap. And like you referred to, the cost of cyber insurance, as well as other insurances, are increasing at a much greater rate. And we ask that the cyber insurance, as well as other insurances, not be considered underneath that cap. And you know, we're, we're still waiting for a response, but you know, that is you know, detrimental to budgets. But it's an absolutely necessary thing, and it's great they're requiring more security in place, and the training is, you know, absolutely critical. And and I hope it continues. But yeah, just to just to dovetail a little bit on that training side, um, you know, think if if you think across the the multiple hats that you wear and and the the different organizations you've been with, you know, how are they doing training? Is it still PowerPoint and donuts? Um, have we gotten to truly simulated phishing um, and, you know, what I'll consider micro training, which is, you know, you know, pushing out, you know, three to five minute kind of web-based content every month, you know, where, what is the state of training in the sled environment? Well, at the local level, we, uh, we try, my district is trying to be proactive as possible. So the one day our firefighters and emergency personnel would be going to a live burn at the local fire school. And then the next day, we're sending them phishing attacks. And if you fall for the phishing, then a quick, you know, perhaps 30-second, one-minute video pop, pops up explaining, oh, you fell for this fish. Here's what you need to look for. And, you know, that gets communicated to management. So we can, you know, depending on if there's a trend, we can um, address that. And even the local government officials get phished. <laughs> And one was, and they're doing a very good job making the fish fishes look very real. So, and oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, you know, and I think some of the listeners who have, uh, you know, listened to the podcast before know my background, right? I've been involved with municipal government. I mean, there used to be a time when the, uh, when the police would deliver a large stack of paper to the elected officials on Friday night. Uh, for a Monday evening meeting. Um, and, you know, those days are gone, right? Everything's now electronic. Um, right. From your tax filings to, you know, the courts to all the systems within the uh, uh, municipal government. And, you know, we've seen, and I've seen, you know, personally, you know, municipalities in the state of New Jersey that are shut down. They can't take pa tax payments. Dispatchers that, that are, you know, handling dispatcher police via cell phones because the systems are, are, are uh, infected with ransomware. So it's a problem that while it affects the municipality, also affects all of the taxpayers and residents within the state. So I, I think the problem is a lot bigger than uh, you know, the state officials think about. Um, and you know it's gonna continue to grow as, as the cyber landscape and the cyber threat continues to grow. Other than uh, other than ransomware, do you see any other kind of attacks? Uh, are you seeing denial of service? Are you seeing malware kind of attacks, or is it is it really the basic you know ransomware, you know, credential phishing things like that? Well, we're constantly seeing you know the local university I have I work at um, has a very large public footprint, meaning a lot of uh, public IPs, and we're constantly being scanned by. You know, the whole world, we're constantly fighting and defending against uh, denial of service attacks. Uh, NTP amplification seems to be uh, everyone's 
you know, uh, choice method right now. Right. We, we've seen that trend up very quickly. And uh, ransomware, uh, we haven't had a whole lot of problems with that. I think we're, um, we have a firewall and an IPS, and we pick up a lot of stuff with that. But the, the one area that I think everybody struggles with is the you know Internet of Things. And just that a lot of these devices that we're expected to provide service and along with that service is security. They're just not meant to be upgraded for security, upgraded for um, the firmware. And, you know, we're expected to provide security and service to a Roomba now because <laughs> our people we work for the students faculty and staff you know imagine everything in a college dorm room that requires connectivity now everything from a you know gaming system to laptop to the phone to the tablet to whatever else and then all the research that happens at universities across the country and the world you know the when the researchers are doing their you know, we'll call it you know internet research Sometimes there's not a whole lot of difference between a researcher at a school we're perhaps uh, collaborating with than an attack. Right. They will be scanning us and we, you know, deny the scan and, you know, just the data transfers are into petabytes and you have to identify it. Is this a part of someone's, you know, research or is this a true exfiltration or maybe they're hitting us high with something to distract us and then slowly and quietly sneaking, you know, data out on a, uh, you know, something that is not as noticeable at the same time. So I, just to shift gears a little bit, um, when you think about, you know, elected officials, whether they be state or local um, and, and within, you know, education, whether it be, you know, uh, school boards or, you know, board of trustees at, at colleges and universities, do they get it, right? Is is management, I guess the question, is management really starting to understand the threat landscape and, and, and you know, take proactive steps? Or is this still kind of reactive, wait for something bad to happen and then, uh, and then clean it up? I think it's about a 50-50 mix. It's hard not to understand you know, the need for uh, security. I mean, nobody gets involved in the school board to talk about cybersecurity. Nobody gets involved, you know, in local government to talk about cybersecurity. They want to do all the great things these governments do, you know, educate, you know, our children and, you know, everything, everything great the township administrators do. But cybersecurity has become so prevalent over the last two years, it, it's hard not to realize and address that. But then you also have the ones that, oh, it, it won't happen to us. We're just a small municipality. You know, we're not, you know, Home Depot. We're not Google. We're not, you know, what do they want with us? Right. But in the meantime, every municipality is storing a ton of personally identifiable information that you don't want out there. Like I was doing work with one municipality and said, you realize you had to sign up through one of their portals. I said, you realize when you're asking people to put in their username and password, that's not encrypted. So there's no SSL connection there. So everything's over port 80. 
And they said, well, what do you mean? And then yeah, I, I demonstrated it to them and they went to their vendor and, they, and the vendor said, well, uh, we spoke about this and you didn't want to spend the extra money on it. Right. And you know, I said to the township official, I said, well, think about the password you used. I bet it's pretty similar to ones you used on other accounts. And that, you know, they were just shocked and horrified, you know, I think they need everybody needs to get up to speed. Get needs to get better trained, and the training needs to be specific and focused on how security affects them. Like I believe this was an eye opener for the uh, local municipality, and you know, they they quickly addressed it. But yeah, when it's a line item on a perhaps you know hundred page long budget, and something needs to get cut, you know it's it's a cost to them. Yeah. I think too many organizations, you know, and I, I won't pick on just the, the sled here, uh, but too many organizations look at IT as a cost center and not really as an empowerment, right? You know, right. we've talked in the past, I think you and I, you know, we've got a, a local construction company uh, in the area and they are 100% dependent on their IT. They couldn't pour concrete on a daily basis um, without their IT, you know, up and running. Everything from, you know, resources to job sites to getting materials delivered on time to paying union employees at the end of the day. Um, and it, it was an eye opener for them. And I know it's got to be an eye opener for, you know, elected officials, uh, you know, boards of education, business administrators who for decades have been focused on their mission. And all of a sudden now their mission requires this technology and they're just, you know, I think, and maybe 50% is a good number, but I think a lot of them still have their heads in the sand and are, you know, just ignoring the problem saying it's never going to happen to them. Right. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of people or municipalities and other organizations believe what they have in place and because it's worked up until this point, it's okay. And it will continue to work. But then to do a lot of the multi-factor authentication and whatnot, if you want to do it through your firewall, you have to upgrade it. That 10-year-old firewall that's been chugging along doing a great job at this point, well, the, the, it doesn't support this. So now you have to spend money to get the new firewall in place. Somebody's got to configure it. Somebody's going to configure your multi-factor authentication. And it all needs care and feeding. You have to pay attention to the vulnerabilities for that firewall and everything else that's behind the firewall you're pr protecting. You have to update your uh, MFA and, you know, just think about how often Chrome needs to be up updated in a, in a month. Well, you know, again, having some experience in this space, you know, we, we look at things like playgrounds and playgrounds need to be inspected. You know, the person inspecting the playground needs to be qualified um, it needs to meet the insurance requirements, you know, it needs to have proper safety and blah, blah, you know, you know, you think about something as simple as a playground and the amount of time and effort that municipalities spend working on that. And then things like taxes and their financials and their backups and their IT systems, you know, they don't even put the same discipline to. And that's, that's a little frustrating to me to say, you know, Look, we do so well in so many areas, right? Training firefighters to go out and be prepared, providing them the proper equipment so that they can do their job. And then we take a dispatcher who's already overworked 
and we make them an IT professional um, without any training, without any budget, and we ask them to comply with some very complex rules. And it's just a, it's a little frustrating to me. It seems um, almost backwards. One of the things I did want to touch on before we finish up is uh, one of the things I've been recommending, and I, I want to get your point of view on, is that municipalities, um, school districts, uh, uh, even universities really need to kind of do a risk assessment, whether that risk assessment is, you know, a self-assessment internal or some kind of external assessment or an assessment from their insurance provider. I've really been pushing them to do that assessment, right? That, that eye-opening view of, you know, how you're performing against your peers and, and industry standards. So I don't know what you've seen, but that's a, uh, that's an area that I've been trying to talk to folks about in the uh, in the sled environment. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have our own uh, internal auditing as well as we have uh, external uh, contractors we hire just for that purpose. And we're given a score and it compares us to our peers. And one directive from our CIO was we want to be the best. We want to have the lowest score possible. And here's where everybody else is at. And with that assessment, you know, we know the areas we need to improve upon and continue improving in all areas, but these specific areas, this will give us the most added security for the funding in place or funding that's available. So we try to attack that and then at the same time, lower that score and then see what the next uh, security issue that bubbles up is and then we start working on that and then you know the threats continue to grow and there, there's always a new threat so there's always something new for us to be you know focusing on while maintaining the uh, current infrastructure right. current protection yeah I, I, you know I, I use the crude analogy that you know you don't need to be the fastest gazelle um, but you certainly don't right. want to be the slowest right right <laughs> good so let me let me just wrap this up, uh, Eric. Thank you for your time. I you know I think your your depth of knowledge from you know the state level to the you know uh, the schools to municipalities is is super, and I think our uh, our listeners are going to enjoy uh, you know some of the expertise you brought to us today. Um, you know I would be remiss if I didn't bring up at the end of our thing. We are Harbor Technologies. You know we you know if you've seen our website, you've seen the. Uh, you know the the seascapes and the in the harbors around the world. Um, I'll ask you: Do you have a favorite, you know, beach location, beach resort, um, you know, uh, harbor that you're that you're particularly fond of? Uh, and if so, you know, if you could give me a place where you can get a cold beverage and a uh, and a burger, that would be great. Yep, you've had some exotic places that sound phenomenal on your uh, other podcasts. Uh, I just got back from uh, Dewey Beach, Delaware. And uh, my wife and I, uh, while the kids were off parasailing, we sat at the Rusty Rudder in Dewey Beach on the Bayside, and we enjoyed a longboard lager and had a great burger sitting there watching all the boats coming in and out and watching everybody parasailing. So a uh, little plug for a uh, somewhat local place to uh, New Jersey. All right, that's that's super. Dewey, Dewey Beach is a great little getaway that uh, not enough people know about. So I'll make yeah. sure that we uh, we get it added to our list. Again, thank you for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, you know, sometime in the future, we'll, we'll bring you back, hopefully, to find out, you know, how municipalities and school districts have improved. Great. Very good. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 